Do you like candles? We all know that I love candles and I love the candles from Remy Moon. They are an Australian based small business and they make the best and most magical candles. All of their candles are made with high vibes, pure intentions, and each one is crafted with a little bit of Reiki healing that also suits the intention of the candle itself. All their candles are non-toxic and vegan, so they don't harm us or the animals. You can use the code SUBURBANWITCH for 15% off all of their products, and it's only for listeners of the Witch Talks podcast. Simply head to remymoon.com.au to get your candles now. Welcome to Witch Talks, the series for spiritual seekers, witches, and enlightened souls. I'm Hannah the Suburban Witch, professional tarot reader, astrologer, and witch, and I hope you're ready to get up close and personal with your favorite witches. In this episode, I'm chatting with the one and only Angel Phoenix. She can only be described as Aquarius personified. She is a visionary futurist, an oracle deck creator, a poetic wordsmith, host of the Bad Influencer podcast, slayer of the mundane, social media guru, and a strayer. She is joining us via Zoom all the way from Bali. Hey, Angel, welcome to the show. Thank you. That was a beautiful Virgo lyrical intro. I much appreciate that. <laughs> You're Thank very you welcome. Me. I tried to like use some of the things you use to describe yourself, but not like just copying your bio verbatim because I didn't want to do that. So. A plus. Yes. <laughs> thank you. You made me feel good about myself. So thank you. You did oh, well. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, I mean, it's not hard. You've got a lot of amazing stuff to work with there. And I have been dying to get you on the podcast. So thank you so, so much for joining me today. My pleasure. You know how much I love magical conversations. Yes, absolutely. I actually wanted to start off by doing something that's a little bit new. So introducing something new to the show. What I used to do with season one was I would start off by just looking at everyone's birth chart and like, hey, this is like some of your placements. But... I wanted to start off by pulling a tarot card for you instead, if you're comfortable Ooh. with that. So I picked well, a deck in advance. For this, sorry, I'm going to look at you on the screen <laughs> because I want to see this, feel your energy. Go on. You are going to love this. So I picked a deck that I was like, oh my God, this just screams angel. <gasps> you're going to love it. Uh, language warning for anyone with little ears listening along. <laughs> but this... And I'm going to say it, it's not a word I usually say, but it's the name of the deck. This is called the Cosmic Cunt Tarot Deck. <laughs> uh, and, cool. and it's literally like, it's if cool. not watching along on YouTube, it is fluoro greeny yellow and it is very UFO centered and Samantha West. It's yes, it's Samantha West. It's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> I'm jealous I didn't make that. That's really cool. And it's also on point. Fun, fun deck. And it says, if you clutch your pearls at the sight of aliens wielding phallic probes, this may not be the deck for you. <laughs> so, please I'm pull your tell card. me what you picked. Yes. <laughs> now, I'm actually going to buy this. Yeah, it's awesome. It's um, it's from a, an Australian publishing company as well, which is Rockpool. So, Great. they are really awesome. Do you have a question you want to ask of the cards or do you just want a general guidance card? Totally up to you. So I'm actually day three of my bleed, which is one of my most psychic days of the mm -hmm. whole month. The blood vision day. Uh-huh. So I am going to 
I'm going to leave this one up to whatever's a brewing between us mm -hmm. and trust in the digital ether to deliver on all the cosmic cuntedness that it must. <laughs> oh, let's let's have a looky loo. And it's a good deck because it's like a small. So I have mm. small hands and I struggle with so many decks. It's like Just ergonomic. Yeah, it's ergonomic and metaphysics meeting, you know, because yep. I like old arthritic witch hands <laughs> need some support. Carpal tunnel. Like in order to avoid this clutch, we need ergonomic decks to work with. Exactly. All right. So I've just pulled two cards for you today. Now, unfortunately, they're not super phallic, which I was kind of hoping for, but that's okay. <laughs> Boring. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's do this. So we have, I'm going to put it up to the screen if anyone is watching. If not, I will describe Ooh. it to you as well. We have the strength card, which has an alien holding what can only be described as if dogs, if aliens had dogs, they would be like, you know, in Men in Black? Yes. Things that are, I don't, I haven't watched that movie in years. I, that's one of my top like 10 movies of all time. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. There's like the, the coffee dudes. Yeah, it's, it's it's like the familiar for the extraterrestrial. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, so we've got the strength card and we also have Ace of Discs, which is like the Ace of Pentacles, basically. Mm. And the discs in this deck are UFOs, all right? Mm -hmm. Very mm -hmm. otherworldly. So with these two cards together, this talks about Ace of Discs. A, firstly, the Aces in the tarot, always, in my opinion, the luckiest cards in the deck, particularly the Ace of Discs or Ace of Pentacles, as it's often known. So super, super lucky card. Now, most people will see this and go, a new job is coming up for you, right? But it's not necessarily always a new job. It's often a new opportunity that is practical or work-related, new money coming in. It is fresh energy, and it's almost like a, whole, a shift in what you're mm -hmm. doing in your day-to-day -day life, okay? That's mm -hmm. how it comes mm -hmm. through. Being this particular deck and it's holding like this beautiful UFO, I mean, trusting you and knowing what you're like, this is going to be an out of the world new offering that you're bringing to the world. Mm. Now, the fact that it is next to the strength card, that is interesting because that says that whilst it's like new and there's going to be a lot of luck and growth and expansion that comes with it, it might be a little difficult to put out there. You're going to have to dig deep to do that. Mm. And it's not the type of strength that's like, everyone move out of the way. I'm here. It's not that big, bold, showy strength. It is a real quiet inner strength that you're going to have to work through some stuff personally in order to do that. So I like to think of the strength card. If you ever look at it, especially in the Rider Waite Smith deck. That's exactly what I was just yes. thinking about. It has the beautiful lady and she's all dainty and she's got her hand opening up this the jaws of a lion. And I like to use the analogy that, Let's say this lion has a sore tooth, right? Not only does the, the woman in the card have to be really strong to put her hand in the mouth of a lion, right? You have to be very brave to do that, to help this lion. So it's almost like what you need to do, you have to be very brave and strong in order to do that, knowing that you could get your hand bitten off. But the lion as well has to have strength in holding itself back from its basic instincts, so there are two different types of strength at play here. There is that wanting to help, wanting to bring something and knowing the risks involved, but also knowing what happens if you don't take that risk and don't hold yourself back in some other aspect. So that's what it's going to take for you to bring out this new offering to the world. How does, how does that all sit with you? 
Oh yeah, I'm having 20,000 downloads already. Also bear in mind that I have started an animal rescue and you know, what's required of that is, you know, literally it's the alien with the familiar Mm -hmm. and the strength that is having to be found inside and outside of me to birth this in, you know, not really fun situations. Um, but also I feel it in my bones that this this next chapter and everything that, that I'm doing and that I am putting out into the world is going to be worth the the courage it takes to make it happen. Um, there's also the other aspect of it, which is, you know, the the magic and the sex education and everything it is that I'm pursuing right now is going to be difficult, but it is going to be worth it. So yes, it resonated. Thank you. Yeah, you're very Thank welcome. You and I I wasn't even going to bring up that animal stuff today. It slipped my mind because I was so focused on the magic side of things. But I absolutely, as a fellow, I'm a wildlife rescuer. I've been doing that for many, many years. And so that just, oh, when I saw you putting up those beautiful pictures, soothes my soul. And it isn't as easy and glamorous as people think. They're like, oh, you get to cuddle lovely animals. It's like, mm-hmm. sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes, but a lot of the time it is heartbreaking. You see some stuff that you really don't want to see. So, and especially where you are, some of it is from neglect, sometimes abuse. Those Mm. sorts of things can be just so, so, so tough mentally and spiritually to deal with as well. Thank you. It's also been really interesting to see this come full circle to, I've always done this based like I've been obsessed with animals since I was six years old, but since 2010, when I was doing this in Thailand, how much more sensitive I was there and how I couldn't really be the masculine my feminine needed to be in full carer mode Mm. to now seeing all kinds of really fucked up stuff, but I'm not crying the way I thought I would. It's very pragmatic. It's very get shit done. It's very invested. And ironically, the most emotional I've ever been. So it's been really, really cool to see me kind of come full circle to that. And uh, I remember the vet saying, one of the vets that I worked with, we had, long story short, this dog had come in with burns all over its body, like head to toe, and a food cart had thrown a vat of oil all over the dog. And I sobbed hysterically, just like unconsolable and she says, like, you know, if you want to be able to do this, you know, when you're working at the RSPCA, when you're, of course, there's animal neglect, of course, but you have no idea just how vile people can get. She said, if you want to do this, there's going to have to be this element of strength, right? This thing that has to come through. And it's taken me 10 years and having two children to be able to understand that is that there are going to be a million things that break your heart, but people with broken hearts don't heal the world people who do things with a broken heart, those are the kinds of people that change the world. And I really do believe that that's just the epitome of what it is to be a mother and a healer and a witch and everything in between. Like I'm I'm blown away by how fiercely I'm approaching this. And no, it's not easy. I'm one of the dogs that I'm working with at the moment. I have to, you know, bottle feed every few hours because he's elderly and he can't open his jaw and you know, you feel like the next time you wake up, he's going to be dead. And, but there's a level of rewarding in this that is, you'll understand obviously with the mm-hmm. wildlife stuff, but I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with that. Yeah. I'm excited for you. And I'm excited you. as well that you're not too far and I can potentially come over and, and <laughs> see and help along as well. Maybe fingers oh. crossed. 
Send me your magic. I'm trying to manifest something at the moment. So please send me your magic on yes. that. Yes. Please. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Now you are such a magical powerhouse, like literally a powerhouse. It was when I was looking at writing, even just some thoughts about questions and things to ask you, I was like, I don't know where to start. There is, there's so many ways we can go. Uh, but I wanted to start with the fact that you identify as a Strega and I probably pronounced that wrong with my super Aussie Bergen no. apps accent. <laughs> People have done way worse today. That's all it is. Yeah. That's perfect. Fine. You say it so much better, but <laughs> it's, it, it means it, it's Italian for which, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And- actually the most, the most recent dog I rescued. So sorry. I named her Strega, which was a, a funny little thing as well. I thought about that when I, when we were going to do this, she has warts all over her body. <laughs> and so I thought it would, might be fun to just call her Strega. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I love that. Um, no, it's awesome. So this term have you always been comfortable using it is it something you had to work up to what you know how does it fit into who you are now and has it always been there I love that we're having this conversation um there's so much I want to say about it particularly because in terms of the Italian folklore community and the way magic is represented it's not so much magic as it is a way of life right there's this branch of it that has come out called stregeria which is sort of like you know strega with santeria and if anybody wants to research it they're more than welcome to but what happened is this divisiveness sort of was born between people who were just regular folklore witches in southern italy and then this new stregeria um and i just want to make the point of saying that I'm not necessarily someone who is part of the Stregeria camp, although I read and I love and I respect everything else. I really do believe in the medicine and the magic of my people in terms of Southern Italy. Now, that being said, my grandmother, who was absolutely the biggest witch that I know, she was told and she was raised in a way where women healers were... It's what they call skeeves. So they brought shame to the rest of their family. Within my bloodline, there's also Romanian gypsy. And they purposely removed all of that injection because they wanted to convince themselves that they did not have gypsy blood in our bloodline. Now, because the Italians were very secretive, specifically through wars and everything else, I can't actually get documentation. They changed their names. My dad had like three different birthdates. You know what I mean? If you're from a crazy Mediterranean family who immigrated here. And so my experience was actually watching my grandmother be the most powerful matriarchal woman I know. And also in the same breath, be absolutely ashamed of it. So she was comfortable being this kind of unofficial mayor matriarchal figure who could do all the things and was a kitchen witch and, you know, animals and healing and children and all the beauty. But then she refused to look at the magic purveying through the tradition. So for example, in terms of strega and, and um, witch relation in Naples, on December 24th of every year, the supreme, if you like, or the matriarchal witch would pass on her magic to the child in the family that she deemed would do the thing. Later in life, I realized that that's exactly what she had been doing with me my entire life. Everybody in my family essentially started to, particularly her children, be jealous of me, resentful. I was named after her. She started teaching me things when I was six. 
I realized, and that's just one sliver of how many strega characteristics she embodied, but was hush hush about it. And now years down the line, she, she actually is born November 11. So 11, 11, she died in 2011 and all the things I've realized that she was trying to hide the parts that had her family torn apart, right. And her predecessors cast away and et cetera. So it's been interesting seeing me reclaim this thing that no one ever really put a name to. And also people weren't comfortable with sharing and then diving deeper into the bloodline with, for example, grandmothers who were midwives, grandmothers who were, again, unofficial mayors and coming out the other end of this, wanting to share this history with my children, right? Specifically my daughter and being absolutely terrified of not being able to give her the information, the insight the story that, you know, the richness that is with that. And I had to figure out a name, I had to find a way to do this. And Strega was the channel for me to not only remember my grandmother, but breathe life into the part of my nonna that she put away. Because at that point, it was easier to stay silent to survive than make a fuss or make a mess, let alone you get something like malokyu, right? So this idea that people would put the evil eye on you, people would curse you if they found out what it is you could do, which is essentially what happened to all of the country people, all of the midwives, um, you know, my dad almost died when he was four years old, five years old. Um, there was a smear campaign at the time where they had posters and stuff up saying not to trust the midwives and that this obstetric kind of revolution was going to be the next wave in amenity. And my great grandmother was a midwife and, you know, they made my dad a coffin. They made him the little suit. Like, I mean, literally I would not be alive right now. And she burst open to the clinic or the hospital doors and kidnapped him out of the hospital and brought him back to life with breast milk and goat milk and herbs. And this is what I mean about this, like, really stubborn lineage of je ne sais quoi in my family line that refuses to die, but also refuses to be seen. And it's a very interesting thing to be reemerging, which, of course, with Danielle Arabina's help, um, it's been funny to see that come up for me. I love I love all of that. And I love how you're you're taking that word that was so full of shame and denied for so long. And you are basically taking it back, reclaiming it and healing that ancestral line at the same time. Is that what it feels like? Does it feel like you're in healing your ancestral bloodline? Yeah. One of the most popular forms of alcohol, uh, it's like a liqueur is called strega in Naples. And I have an alcohol line coming out at the end of the year. And it's all fortified wines that are mixed with like forged flowers and herbs. And they all have a specific recipe to induce specific feelings, like literally cast a spell. And one of them is called um, Strega Nonna Angelina. And the whole thing, the whole part of it is about like reclaiming all those missing pieces. And so when you drink it, it's like calling back in your ancestry and calling back in your lineage. So yes, to answer your question, mm -hmm. I absolutely believe that it's a part of that. But I also think that my Nana was the biggest animal lover I've ever met. She taught me everything I know about animals. And I feel her in even just like holding a puppy or there's so many stories that I could go off of, but I feel her alive in me now more than ever in every time I'm, you know, cooking Italian food or I'm with an animal or I'm with my children. And I never thought I'd have the chance to connect with her because she died. And yet I'm finding ways to connect with her more than ever because the magic is still alive. 
It absolutely is. Absolutely. And they are so with us. I 100% agree. 100%. With your name. So you're named after your great grandmother. Is that correct? Yeah. No, my grandmother. So your Angelina. Grandmother. Mm-hmm. Angelina. And you've, you've changed your name to Angel Phoenix. Is that a way of, uh, rebranding yourself is it a, a magical name yeah. that you've taken on how how did you come to that great question also you would be interested to know this that i'm angelina and her son is angela and we are the two only out proud witches in the whole family and my uncle is like 55 almost 60 and he has like you know paganism symbology all over him he's in naples and he, and I never knew this. And he posted on Facebook that he was at the witch museum in, so the Svega museum in Naples. And I was like, what the fuck come again? And then I started noticing his jewelry and everything else. So what are the odds that the two people named after my grandmother in the entire family, and I'm talking about a lot of different people ended up with that. So there is a lot in a name. That's the first thing. Absolutely. Secondly, you know, the root of Angela, Angelina, Angelica, it's all the same thing. So angel is the root word of them all. Mm -hmm. My big thing is after my grandmother died, after my grandfather died, after essentially all of this family was like, yeah, we're not interested in having a relationship, whatever, whatever it might be, specifically my father who died a year ago, I was like, I need to separate myself from that energy and find myself again. So the Phoenix was actually the middle name because the whole name change was Angel Phoenix Arsenal. So the Phoenix was more so an ode to the rebirth energy, which was quintessential to me. And the Arsenal was a play on my mother's last name, which is Arsenault, because my grandfather, when he came here, um, they're Irish, he had to change it to a French name in order to be accepted. Uh, and so it was a way for me to reclaim that bloodline because I've been able to track that 17 generations down the track and the last few weeks I've just had this weird thing where I've been missing the sound gallo in my mouth angel to me is the same as Angelina so it's when people ask me that question I just I'm like oh it's basically what people have called me my whole life except Angie I won't do Angie no offense to any of the Angies but I think now I'm in this place where to me angel phoenix sounds like me because it is me it really is like every sense of the word represents who it is I am. My whole stage name is Arsenal. I don't know what it's going to look like moving onwards, but I know that that is always going to be at the core of who it is I am. Gallo means um, rooster, which means uh, big cock. And of course, that would be my last name. <laughs> You've got that big dick energy. <laughs> exactly it. Now, you chose to include Phoenix. That is a bold choice. Does it scare you? I, I already know you're going to say no, but does it scare you to, to call in that transformative process? This is what I mean about the name is so powerful mm-hmm. because what you call in with that energy, you know, as an Aquarian in the sixth house with like absurd amounts of sixth house energy and absurd amounts of Aquarius energy, to me, being in service, to me, helping philanthropy, the collective, it has been a driving force forever. And I can absolutely see where that angel thing places, you know, and I mean, I forget, I'm getting this removed off my face and I forget that it's there all the time. So it says angel here and I'll often do things that no one knows about. And the person will be like, oh, you really are an angel, but it doesn't, 
it doesn't click in my head. I'm like, oh, that's right. So people will associate the, you know, the word angel with a blessing or a miracle or something. So there's a part of me that deflects that. Although I know that much like Phoenix, it's going to carry some weight. Look, when I think of angel, I, I think of the biblical form of an angel, which is slightly yes. terrifying. <laughs> yes. Yes. See, but that's what we get. But I forget what other people think of because they're looking at it, particularly in like really dogmatic, really religious circles. Mm. That's how they're seeing that. But I look at it as, and I had an AI the other day, actually, I just put angel Phoenix to see what it would create. And right on the money, it's that. <laughs> so it's like a many eyes. You know, <laughs> and it's the same thing like fairies, right? This this dichotomy of pure maniac energy and pure, you know, frolicking energy. That to me embodies who it is I am. Absolutely. Like I will love you and support you and hold you and, you know, give you anything it is you need to make you feel like this, the air you breathe is a miracle, but also don't fuck with me because I will smite you. It's scary to me sometimes, like how protective I am of my children or how protective I am of the people I love or how protective I am of animals. I, I can see the flaming wings in the air, you know, like the angel. And that's an extension into that Phoenix energy. And that Phoenix energy is slightly terrifying for personal reasons is that even as a rebirth pirouette Olympian athlete it's exhausting and a part of me wants to just tap out sometimes and be like you know what fuck this I'm done with the rebirth I'm done with the pivot can we just have a sense of normalcy for all of 10 minutes which is delusion things change and you know every month I'm cycling but owning the name Phoenix has given me this really funny way of just rolling with it Mm -hmm. And like, you know, wor words build worlds. And I know that my name is creating my reality constantly. And the more I can own that, the more I can just be like, all right, I can be death and destruction and chaos and beauty and love and support all in the same breath. But it's interesting introducing myself that way because mm -hmm. it still feels, I think I have a thousand names, to be honest with you. Do you feel like that? I feel like I could have a thousand names in different languages. And I, I don't know. I think. It's funny. I'm actually, so I'm writing my book at the moment. I'm writing a novel and it is autobiographical in nature, but fictionalized in a way. So yeah. easier to read because I love books yeah. like that. So I'm, yeah. I'm literally currently writing this, this one segment and the start of the book starts out with me, Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H. Now most people won't actually know this. But that's how it's spelled on my birth certificate. And I never liked it. I never, never liked it. The sound is fine. The sound sounds like me. That sounds like my name. How do you spell it? I spell it H-A-N-A now. I see. I never knew that. I just thought you spelled it the old-fashioned way. No, oh. yes, old-fashioned. See, now I want to be different. And so I'm writing this, like, um, I mean, you can see my Aquarius rising coming out there. But I'm writing this whole <laughs> segment. I think I was about 13 or 14 having this conversation with my mom back and forth. And she's saying, you know, after church today, are you, are you coming home with us or are you going to stay and hang out with your friends? I said, oh, I'm going to go hang out with Hannah. She goes, oh, which Hannah? Hannah, this one, Hannah, this one, Hannah, this one, Hannah, this one, going through all the names because there was about 10 yes. Hannahs at our church yes. and more <laughs> Hannahs at school. And so I didn't want to be one of a million Hannahs, but I liked the way my name sounded. So I ended up changing the way it was spelled. And the key difference for me as a 14-year-old, right, was A, it looked cool, um, even though it didn't sound any different, but the way it was spelled H-A-N-A actually means flower in Japanese. Mm -hmm. I have no Japanese ties whatsoever, 
But that to me just sounded so beautiful mm-hmm. in comparison to being named after an infertile woman in the Bible, which yeah. was literally why I was named that because my mum had trouble falling pregnant. So I just, I switched Ooh. it and I felt like this reclaiming of myself by doing that, yes. even though the sound is like, I feel like that's my name. The sound is still there, but somehow just changing a few letters. And I know the numerology of the name has now shifted and changed. Yeah. And again, think- and all of that, but. Yeah, the flower, the fertile flower versus the infertile Hannah too is yeah. such a beautiful kind yeah. of segue. Yeah, oh, I just I think, think like this week, it's about energetically too how you feel when you sign something, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you do something. Imagine when you're signing your books. Like yeah. how good is it to feel to write Hannah H N instead of you know what I mean? It just feels different, mm-hmm. and words like different. Like us, yeah, and people. Words so my are mom Mum had always said, she goes, oh, but but your name's, you know, uh, what's it called? A palindrome. You can spell it the same backwards and forwards. And I'm like, oh, I know. <laughs> That's the exact same thing that everyone says to me the first time they see my name. And I I hated that. <laughs> I was like, I don't I love that. that. That's a winning point. Yeah. You're like, cool, yeah. I guess. <laughs> She's like, not like many people one. can say that. I'm like, except for everyone called mum or dad. Yeah, <laughs> It makes me think so much of those records when you put them backwards and it's like saying something in sat- you know, satanic yeah. language. I just think it's so, what, what to me this and you know, bless your mom's cotton socks because yeah. I'm sure that at the time, you know, it was just a cool word. I named Ruby Ruby, thinking nobody had the name Ruby, came back to Australia. Everyone in the kitchen sink has called her child <laughs> Ruby. Um, and now she wants to be, you know, at one point she went through a phase be- wanting to be called Peaches. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, all the power to you. You know, I think it's hard. You don't want to insult your family at the same yeah. time. Like, mom, you know, I'm sure you felt inspired to call me this you know, in, in 1986, but actually I want to switch it up a bit. And mm-hmm. the first look is like, what do you mean? <laughs> but name thing is becoming so common these days, especially as people are veering away from the binary and reclaiming mm-hmm. their identities and rewriting their script. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me. And I feel like it's going to get way easier to start casting those spells with that kind of authority. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. So when I first met you, uh, we were at a moon temple with uh, Dr. Danielle Arabina and that was for Samhain and it was lovely, but the circle was already in session. So you were running a little bit late from memory. Mm -hmm. And when you walked in, I felt, I'm not kidding. I felt the whole energy shift. You have this like (gasps) magnetic aura when you walk in and you were so uniquely you, you're wearing like I think it was black and white checked pants. You had orange makeup, like I think stars around your eyes. It was really cool. You were very authentic, very confident. Has it always been that way for you or was it a journey to get there? Thank you. That's so lovely. It's so interesting um, receiving the way people perceive you, especially when they're magical creatures because you're (laughs) like, oh, somebody sees me. Has Mm -hmm. it always been that way? Kind of the honest answer is yes. However, the world, your parents, your family, the church tries to squash you, suppress you, change you, mold you. And it's unbelievable to me how the core of who it is I am survived through all of those attempts to destroy what my most true self is. I know that there was a period there from roughly... 14, 16, and I'd love to chat about that if you're keen, where my magic kicked in so hard, it terrified me. And then basically it took me another 16 years to embrace that part of me 
So there was a solid, let's say conservatively, you know, teenager brain, a lot of drugs probably won't remember, but basically for 12, 14, 16, another 16 years till basically I turned 32, believe it or not, when everything came back to me and I truly was able to lean into the most embodied version of myself. I've always been magnetic, but I've also always been bullied. So the thing that now I leverage positively was the thing I couldn't stand before, because no matter what I did, whether it was starving myself or squashing myself, I always got the bully's attention. I always got the priest's attention. I always got the attention of my dad and I fucking hated it. I wanted people to pretend that I was invisible. I wanted them to leave me alone. As I got older and more sensitive and, you know, I, I got my bleed at nine years old. Um, a lot of stuff happened around, around that time where I got put on birth control and steroids and cortisol and all these different things. And I just increasingly became really disconnected from my body. I wanted to be around people who saw me. I wanted to feel something. I wanted to feel love. So I went through this real period there where I was everyone's friend, right? The one that everyone could count on. I was popular because I was overgiving and overdelivering and, 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 and. So again, that had a whole other reinvention around the time that um I was 16 and then 18 and so on and so forth. But I feel that that magnetic thing is absolutely an Aquarius quality. I truly believe that. I think that Geminis can do the exact same thing. They just bring the attention. They bring the eye to them. Libras as well, when they're balanced, right? When they're not at war with their own minds, like any air placement, let's be honest. Um, it's something that I guess what I'm getting at, I was at war with a long time before I actually owned it. And so when I create offerings like attention whore, it's a massive reclamation for myself because I hated being magnetic for so long, but it was my calling and I hated getting the attention, but then I loved it in the same breath. And the second I, you know, I took a mic I did when I was at my communion, you know, literally eight years old, getting your white on dress for Jesus Christ. And I took the mic out of the priest's hand. My mom tells the story and I got up on stage and started talking. I was singing in the choir and then all these things got pummeled out of me until I was able to kind of come full circle. And here we are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, it's a wonderful story to obviously not go through, but to see how you've come to yourself and the little hints that you get along the way as well. And how it's such a wild roller coaster. Oh, I love it. I love hindsight. I wish we had, oh, me too. I wish we had more like clarity, but I, I still love it. I love looking back seeing the puzzle pieces, how everything fits mm -hmm. together, because it like is magical. Dumbledore's pensive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you just sit and you're like, oh, that moment led to that moment and led to that moment. And now I'm here and I can do this. And, and you, like realize, you realize the big picture of it was all meant to happen like that. Yeah. It was, and I've had moments myself, and I feel like we do have quite similar life stories, but I've had moments myself when things were really dark or things were going not great. And it felt really surreal for a moment where I felt sort of outside of myself. Like there's a reason for this. There is a bigger, yes. this is going to do something yes. later. Oh, that makes it's, me want to cry. Yeah. It's wild. when and it That's happens. the magic though. It's that heroine's journey. It's that mm -hmm. real knowing deep inside your loins mm -hmm. that there is some kind of domino effect at play mm -hmm. and you are too, you know, emotionally immature, socially immature, physically immature, 
And yet there is something pulling you, right? The fickle finger of faith, the eye of God, call it whatever it is you want to call mm -hmm. it. Almost like you ask yourself, you know, how many times did I do this bad thing? Why didn't I die? Driving drunk, partying, being silly, making the worst mistakes. And all these, these instances truly where I feel like I could have died a million times over, whether I'm being dramatic or not, is not the point. It's exactly that metaphor. And now I can see that there was something that little girl, and I'm sure it was the same for you, chewing on what? Like what the, so that's what I wish I had access to now. Mm -hmm. Like putting a GoPro in the mind of my nine-year-old self, my 16-year-old self, my 20-year-old self, what the actual dump truck made me keep going? What awareness did I have? Mm -hmm. If really ultimately my true awareness really only revealed itself in my thirties, what was it? Mm -hmm. And it had to be something else. I am pretty lucky in that respect that I kept diaries and journals from mm. I think the earliest one I would have been... I've lost them all oh I I think I've I've burnt a couple I won't, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few that have been lost to the flames but I have diaries dating back to when I was 11 which oh my gosh they are jealous quite... is an understatement they are quite cringy and re you know you get to like the age of 14 to to 17 and they are very depressing and wow. it's you know what the interesting thing is those ones up until the age wow. of 17 they are so brutally honest like I did not edit my voice at all I just said whatever was in my head <laughs> put it down on paper with the thought that obviously no one's ever going to read this wow. uh, little did I know my mom would find them all sorry <gasps> It's really bad. Is I'm looking through them, going, I can't believe my mom has read these. It's horrible. Whew. Let's just say all of the hormonal explorations of a teen yes, girl. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and oh. it actually gives you kind of because then with our own daughters, it really it's, it's like okay, this is mm -hmm. not about me. Mm -hmm. It's not personal. This is a moment. This is a deep feeling. Like you know, off we go. Yeah, and now it's good because I'm like now I can vividly recall and see what I was like at that age, so I can sort of help my daughter when she goes through it. Wow. But, but then I get to you know 18, 19, 20, 21, and I can see this shift where I'm reading through it because obviously I'm writing my book and I'm going through to look for these things, and I'm like. Oh my God, Hannah, that's mind-bending. I know. I'm reading through like these, these things where I remember like a big, you know, argument happening or something happening and I've not included it because I thought someone might read it later and then they would judge me for what I've said or what I've done. This and I'm like, to me a lot. whoa. And it's, it's wild to see that progression. So I, I obviously closed in on wow. myself and edited my wow. voice, even to myself in my diaries. So that's been interesting to go through. But yeah, there's literally a pile sitting next to me. Oh, uh, Please make sure that somebody knows to care for them should anything happen. Do you just made me had a major, sorry to interrupt you, a major download where I just, and at full body goosebumps, I just remembered the moment I used to keep diaries, okay, of the hoo-ha, the keys mm -hmm. and the locks and the everything. And unfortunately, my uh, mother had to kidnap us from my dad in 1994. And in that process... All of my stuff, like my most prized toys, uh, toys, my mo everything, comics, which is why I'm such an like avid collector now. I think some kind of trauma thing there, got lost, and my, you know my little red velvet uh, baptism dress and all these elements of it. But I'm frothing that you kept your diaries, dude. I'm like, like wow. 
um, my nipples are dancing under my dress <laughs> is I remember this moment where I started editing my voice mm-hmm. and I, cause I used to write songs as well. And so what I did is I took the pain that I couldn't describe in my diary, lest someone find it. And mm-hmm. now you're blowing my mind. Cause I'm thinking about the precursor to social media. So I basically wrote diaries and then I wrote short stories and then I went into live journal the people pleasing and the curation and the element of already the exhibitionist being careful what to say just in case just in case uh, being, the, mm-hmm. being the super freak being the emotional one always padding my true expression to make sure that anyone you know coming in might not be too offended might not be this might not be that i'm having a million downloads thinking about how that predicated essentially this tumultuous relationship I had because I could never find somewhere where I could just say what I want to say without being Mm -hmm. crucified, without Mm -hmm. pissing someone off without. And the truth is that real life is when a writer is in their mode, expression, et cetera, the moment they start to edit their voice, they lose their magic. Mm -hmm. It's like cutting back on a spell because it's going to be too powerful. Mm -hmm. It's like noticing that even with my own book, So I'm writing and part of me is like, I need to get this story out. This story needs to get out into the world. I want everyone to read it except everybody who knows me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's about right. Again, part of me is like, do I edit out parts of it? Because I'm talking about a previous relationship prior to my husband. I'm like, oh, does he want to read this? I'm like, it's not for him. This is no, no. And that's where the fictional part comes in. Yes. Because you're like, it's fictional. (laughs) Uh, right you can save yourself (laughs) in that area absolutely it's so funny um so I I'm a little bit younger than you and one of these diaries I'm gonna pull out like this is the one from when I was 11 it literally looks like an exercise book from school (gasps) right it says I'm losing I hope everybody can see my face on YouTube right now I'm losing (laughs) like what you're doing to my Virgo and Gemini placements right now and Pisces placements you have no idea (gasps) Hannah spelled H-A-N-N-A-H journal diary 2002 plus and then it's got my school that I went to and like it starts out I'm I'm literally at school it's quite cringy this oh my god this page you're gonna love it I was probably about this age when MSN (gasps) came out Right, I'm messing. Yes. And so I have a page in here. I'm going to try and show it that has slang. <laughs> it says slang. BRB equals be right back. TTYL oh equals God. talk to you later. GTG equals gotta go. Like I've literally written. My kids that. are going through that phase right now. IDC, mom. IDC. Okay, bro. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is twenty years old. Yes, and it has there's parts in it because there's like lined pages and then gap pages and I wouldn't write on the gap pages because they're not lined and you can't write on not lined pages because I'm a Virgo so (laughs) in between pages I've just like done scribbles like there's love hearts with me and my crush's name all of that jazz and then I've do you remember on MSN how you would put your like I don't know you'd change your name to put really cringy yeah 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 stuff in. I was on MSN all the time I've written them down like it looks like my MSN thing one says kiss me tease me come on baby please me <laughs> <laughs> and the next one says I went from candy and toys to cell phones and boys <laughs> I want that tattooed on me immediately 
Wow. How uh, old were you here? Uh, I started that one when I was 11. And it went to, wow. let me see, when when was that? That was 2000. And, oh, so I was about 13 when I wrote that particular piece. Wow. <laughs> when did you start bleeding? I was 12. And it's wild. I went through that with Danielle as well. So if anyone listening, Danielle Arabina, literal witch doctor, Please, love her to bits. Her, yes. I met with her recently. We did some holistic pelvic care and I was talking about my very first bleed because obviously that sets up a relationship with how you view your bleed later on. And I was the first out of any of our friends to to start bleeding. And the day that it happened, it was jeans for jeans day, which if anyone doesn't know that, you wear denim jeans and you bring a gold coin, so a one or $2 coin to donate for um, research into, I think, genetic research. Genetics? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't really know. All I know is I wanted to wear my face off white flared jeans, right? And you still wear your, your school shirt and tie and top. I know where I you're going. White jeans. Yes. And Talk I had an initiation though, Hannah. You probably oh manifested the shit out of that. <laughs> and I didn't know. I didn't know. One of the girls who I was like a friend of me at the time said to one of the other girls, just like, oh my God, Hannah has blood on her jeans, right? Didn't tell me said it to my friend. So my friend came up to me, she's like, Hannah, did you know, I think you've got your period. And I was shocked. I had no idea. So we all, you know, the whole gaggle of girls bundles into the bathroom and they're, you know, pulling out their impulse body spray going quick. I'm pretty sure it smells. Let's like spray all over you. And I was mortified and I had to wear a school jumper tied around my waist for the rest of the day. Oh my God. The same thing's happened to me. Horrifying horrifying and of course on the day that you have wow like if I'd been in my dark navy green skirt no one would have ever noticed but wearing white jeans wow so that was yeah initiation by fire and yeah and also push it away please me touch me please me of course you were like emerging from that rite of passage like you know what I earned this dirty talk and I'm going to spell out every word here wow it's so funny it is so funny but yes so that was that was that now um I wanted to just double back as well because you reminded me of something before when you said you wanted to get it tattooed on you. For those who aren't watching us on YouTube, Angel is covered in tattoos. And I've heard you say before that you intuitively chose all of them. Is that right? Oh, my God. This is a fun story. I've never spoken about this on a podcast before. It is freaky how many tattoos I have. Let's just say like 90% of the ones that I got before I was aware of it were direct representations of things that happened, came into my life, or I called in. It was so, so bizarre. I can't even begin to explain it on the small amount of time we have here. But when I took notice of that, I realized that there is something incredibly shamanic for me. I go somewhere, I access something, I I cast a serious, serious spell when blood and the word of meats okay so it's kind of like the craft quintessential you know pricking the blood it blending together and something really powerful happens it was never about me and the tattoo artist exchanging something it was about the intimacy of bleeding with myself and you know everything that's intertwined with that but I had these fears growing up and I still do that I'll lose my memory that I would dement and notebook really hit me really hard because that's my ultimate fear. 
And so I decided that I was going to just decorate my body and it was going to be this, you know, flurry of memories. And boy, am I glad I did, because much like birth, you don't remember a lot of these things that happen. So I just have these beautiful moments curated everywhere. So when I started becoming more conscious, I started getting tattooed with very specific energy emblems, whatnot. For example, everything that is under my chin here, I don't know if you can see. I can see three eyes under your chin. Yeah, so I was in Thailand and I had this dream of a dragon eye, an owl eye, and a snake eye turning like furiously quickly. And someone says, you know, battle cry in the back, the back end of it. And I ended up finding this Chinese witch who stick poked all of the under of my neck. Um, and so I have lots of moments like that, like calling in the energy from a dream, calling in the energy from a vision. I have the inside of my palm that is essentially the entire Zodiac. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's, there's lots of things now that I, that have become something bigger than me. And I've asked my kids and family to make sure that my skin gets preserved because I want it to kind of be this connected dot of who I was and then, you know, match it to the digital cloud of, of Instagram or social media. I feel like it's like the giant coloring book of mom's life. Um, I think it's really, really special. I'm stuck on skin preserve. So I'm picturing an angel skin handbag. <laughs> Is that what you mean? Sasha, baby. Yeah, I um, I want to be cremated and all, all you know, I don't want to be too morbid here, but there's just something where I really want my children to see the extents to which I went to modify the wallpaper and make this meat suit my own. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just a lot of this that's really special to me. And I mean, I get asked, even those lovely old men the, the other day in the grocery store, I was like, you know, of course, you can imagine. I've been hearing this since I'm 16 you know, your skin's going to look different when you're older. And in my head, I'm like, I'm already older. And yeah, of course, but that's the fun of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And now I'm getting a bunch of stuff lasered off and I'm getting it retattooed. Like there's no per permanence doesn't exist anymore. Mm. You literally just have to get it, you know, take it away and, and get on with it. But I forget that I have them 99% of the time. And again, like Dumbledore's pensive, I forget that I have etched these stories and these futures and been in this present it's kind of like photos right when you take a picture you freeze that moment forever so the second the ink hits my skin I've captured that moment forever mm -hmm. and so I feel like I'm this vehicle of time capsules and moments where I get to time travel from memory to memory and there's something so special about that whole experience and what I tap into when I'm in a big session, like the hand one was absolutely banana bonkers where I went to in my brain. Um, but even more so than birth. Mm. And I think that a lot of people who are so afraid as of pain in general, really miss out on what happens when we push our, you know, so many cultures already do this, where they'll get tattooed for a whole day or two days. Mm. I've, I found out a lot about myself. And that's probably what prepared me for birth, to be honest. Yeah, it's interesting. I have like two tangents I want to go on there. Firstly, on the pain aspect, as someone who self-harmed for a very, very long time, it does take you, I mean, that's a different aspect and no, it but does so, yeah. take you to different areas and you you learn a lot about yourself mm -hmm. in that regard. Um, don't want to, I do not want to glamorize that. It's like death walking. No, no, yep, yep. Uh, but I understand. Secondly, mm -hmm. 
I know what you mean by freezing a moment in time because I I only have a couple of tattoos and they are all hidden below the belt. But even though they're really old, I remember the moment I got them so vividly. The first one, I think you'll actually find the story quite funny because I I had a little side venture hustle um, as a teenager. So I was in a very strict religious household. We didn't, I didn't get a lot of pocket money and there wasn't a lot, a lot of stuff I was allowed to do. So I had to take matters into my own hands to be the rebellious teenager that I wanted to be. Your so, showing. <laughs> I started my own little venture, my side hustle, uh, creating false identifications for people. Now this didn't cost me much. I was a very gifted art student and I was selling these. Like I'd get someone's learner's permit. I am obsessed with you. Who are you? This is why people need to hear each other's stories. So get this. So I'd get it right. Um, All I had to buy was contact paper, like the most expensive contact paper. But honestly, it worked out to a couple of bucks, if that. And I'd print out the new date on a whole new date. I'd use, you know, cover up the whole you can't do this anymore so no one's going to learn any tips they've changed the way they're done but back in the old days I would cover the not as easy as they used to baby I'd cover the whole permit in in uh sticky tape except for the date use a q-tip with nail polish remover and gently like one go over and over just until the ink was gone but you hadn't touched the holograph yet so the holograph was still there then I'd put the new contact over it perfectly back and front and I would sell these for 120 dollars each Girl, 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 <laughs> this is some gangster witch shit right here. But when I did my one, right, I wanted to make sure before I sold them to people that they worked really well. What's the easiest way to do that? Well, go and get a tattoo. <laughs> so I'm 15 or 16. I can't actually remember. 15 or 16. No I went in my way. school uniform on my lunch break because I could walk there. I must have been 16. I must have been because I changed schools. So I don't know no, the school uniform I was in. So I remember walking down. It was the tattoo parlor right next to the train station. Walked in and I was like, hey, I want to get a tattoo. And he was looked at my school dress. He's like, yeah, right. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm in year 12. I'm actually 18. And he was like, all right, show me your ID. So I did. And then he went over and photocopied it. And I'm freaking out going, oh, he's going to send it to the police. He's going to send it to the police. <laughs> Then it was like, take a chair. What do you want? And so I got a love heart on my on my butt cheek. <laughs> well, you are a bag of surprises. But yes, and then went wow. back to school and showed everyone. <laughs> wow, yes, that so is that redemption was... for the blood in your pants. By the way, <laughs> wow. I can remember it like that whole scenario. I can just call to memory so vividly. Uh, and then I got another one at seventeen, another one at eighteen. So and they say alchemy isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's really funny. It does definitely hold that moment. Wow. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Now when we met, we bonded over astrology because the very first thing you oh, said, Aquarius placements. <laughs> it just it's like diabolical because yes. I I truly will say this out loud. Uh, I'd love to know what house as well you're in. Mm-hmm. So what house your son is in, but. What I find so mind-bending is the capacity for, specifically when they're playing together, Virgo, Aquarius, and Gemini energy to literally become the complete con artist or the hero of the story and changes the world. There is like I've such gone through a- that whole arc. <laughs> oh, 
my god me too heroin's dirty like hello solidarity <laughs> it's so fascinating though for us to be on the other end of this because i can just tell the past lives and the epigenetics and the mm -hmm. you know all this kind of stuff playing out where things we've had to do and you know there's nothing i wouldn't do to protect my kids or you know care for my kids but I had so many moments like this as well when I was young where I was like, okay, I'm a little too good at this. Like, I just need to fucking chill out and I'd have a full body response where I'm like, you know, convinced I'm going to get in trouble, get thrown in jail. And then I don't. Well, and then you want to, okay, let me push this. I did get, like, if anyone thinks I'm incriminating myself, firstly, I was under it. <laughs> Secondly, I did, <laughs> I did get caught. <laughs> and I did. Thank I got, you. can I tell you this? Do we have time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think people will laugh and find it funny because it is funny. So I'm like at this point 17, right? I've been doing that business for ages. I've made so much money. That's how I bought all my cigarettes and alcohol as a teen. <laughs> and one day I'm in the shower, right? Just got in the shower, getting my makeup off. So it's doing the like black dripping down my face look. Picture that. Mum bursts in the door, door slams open get out of the shower. I'm like, oh, what's happened? Is there a fire? So I'm like, jumped out. She's like, get in the car. I'm like, what? She's like, get in the car. What have you done? I was like, I don't know what's happening. So she bundles me up. Like, I'm like, okay, I haven't cleaned up or anything. I just throw clothes on. I threw on a purple turtleneck sweater. Why? I don't know. My hair is wet. So it's drying in like the puffy flyaway thing because I used to straighten it every single day. So it was broken as anything. I have this horrible raccoon eyes going on. She throws me in the car, drives me down to the police station. We walk in. Oh. This whole time she's asking me, what have you done? I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. We get in because my brain's going, which one are you talking about? Like, I don't know. There's a lot there. We go inside. They say, are you Hannah DeWitt? And I said, yes, I am there. You're under arrest. Anything you say or do will be used. I'm like, what's going on right now? This is like on a school night. Wow. They, me in and they interrogated me for like, I think it was six hours. Two, two different No way they fingerprinted me i've got the mug shot with me holding the thing and the Get eyes out of town. <laughs> hannah you are blowing my mind right now dude holy so shit. funny so yes that's uh that's my aquarius rebellious stage that i went through oh, dude, all of the women in my family line have all been busted by the cops for like Good. the most absurd things <laughs> trying to provide for their family oh. and like I think about the more you speak to other women and the kind of this ing ingenious hustle that they've mm -hmm. had to incorporate. But I, I will tell you that the day that I realized I'm not going to be a fucking asshole is on um, my mom's birthday. It was my mom's birthday, July 25th. That's why I won't remember. And I wanted hair dye, but I couldn't afford it. So I stole it and they caught me and basically all hell broke loose my mother lost her mind. It was so horrible. And I managed to convince them not to call the police, but that was enough to just make me never do that again. Mm -hmm. Because I, I was, oh my God, that is, your story is blowing my mind right now. We have so <laughs> much, so many similarities. Yes. And I bet that you look so innocent as well. Like your mother's kind of, what did she say? Well, the worst part is, so my mum, and she didn't know it at the time, and I didn't know it at the time. Now I know it. She is very clairsentient, very much so. And so this whole time I am spinning a very gifted, well-done lie to these police officers <laughs> off the top of my head. And it was a good one. And they would have believed me if it's not for my mum elbowing me going, tell them the truth, Hannah, tell them the truth. Why are you lying to them? I'm like, how does she bloody know? <laughs> how does she know? She always wow. knew. She always knew when someone was lying. And she still does to this. She gets this gut feeling 
I'm like, well, that's super sentient. Where do you think you got it from? Yeah. So what ended up happening? Um, I did get charged. I had three charges against me. I had to go to court. Um, It was, yeah. In the end, this is like where it gets good, right? It got adjourned a couple of times. So I'd go to court and whatever reason it would get adjourned. By the time it finally went through and I had my proper court hearing, I was 19. So I was overage at this point. And I had a full-time job. I rocked up in a suit, like did the all prim and proper. I was like, look, my parents had gone through a divorce at the time that this happened. Obviously things are very different now. I'm a productive member of society. And so (laughs) the only thing they took from it was that I had a bad attitude towards authority. That was what the cops had written down. (laughs) So not wrong, not wrong at all. the sentence that I got given right was I had to go and do a ropes course, a high ropes course, which is rock climbing with police officers to show me how cool they are and that they're like just um, just people, right? I'm <laughs> it was sorry. so much fun. Wow. Yeah, like the, the 20 meter like jumping down from the cliff face on the rocks and like climbing up rocks and like that was what I had wow. to do. So, I recognize I have a lot question? of privilege in that space as well in terms yeah, of, of course. Like, oh my God. Presenting, yeah. Turned up in yeah. a suit. I had a full-time job, but yeah, I, I got Absolutely. off with a slap on the wrist. Wow. And that feels like 10,000 lifetimes ago as well. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That was so long ago, but yeah, that's, that's what, so what I want to talk about. So we both obviously have the Aquarius placements, right? And the very first thing you actually said to me, cause I don't think I give that off, even though it's my rising, I don't think I give it off straight away. It's kind of like this hidden repressed part of me that just jumps out at people like this. And I'm like, you've done what? (laughs) Shock value, right? But the first thing you said to me, we'd done, we'd had our circle. We'd all shared in our circle and you came up as soon as we broke for like a coffee or tea and you're like, Virgo or Gemini, what are you? (laughs) (laughs) And then it was the Aquarius placement. I was like, where is this Aquarius energy? Because it reminded me so much of me and I was trying to figure it out. I was like the well Virgo so Virgo sun in the ninth house and Mm. then I've got a Gemini Mars so yeah 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 technically there but I know we we talked a lot when we first met about um the tradition and the etymology of the words that are used in things like the planets and the zodiac and all of that jazz and I just loved your take on all of it all of it. Is there anything that you'd like to share? Five hours straight. Right. Just, just pick one, your favorite thing about astrology. That's just unique and different and interesting. I put you on the spot. No, there's the, what's coming to me intuitively is chatting about the, the journey from Virgo, the maiden who is nude and shrouded in shame because of society. And then the Aquarius who's naked without shame and the journey that one has to take from, you know, being what everyone else wants them to be in terms of woman, care provider, role model, whatever, that real martyr embodiment to eventually becoming that Aquarius energy, which is much more evolved, much more mature and much more, no more fucks left to give. So basically along the lines of that crone energy, so made into crone energy, And what I love about people with these placements specifically is the individual journey they take from caring what everybody thinks to caring what they really think about themselves to a demise, to not giving a fuck what anybody has to say. 
And every time I meet people with Virgo Aquarius placements, that is the journey that they have been on, right? Moving from this, I mean, even if you look at, of course, every sign of the zodiac, it, the chapter, the time frame, zero to seven, seven to 14, 14 to 21, so on and so forth. This virginal energy that's been totally adulterated throughout time as to what it's supposed to mean. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been butchered. At the core of it, it's rebellion. And so the actual return to the story is along the lines of the Vestal Virgins is essentially these young women are swallowed by their dad who's terrified that his daughters are going to usurp him. So he keeps them in their belly. And one of the older brothers goes into cahoots with one of the sisters in the dad's belly and he breaks them out along with her. And so these daughters so fucking furious with this patriarchal energy that tries to suppress them go on to make this commitment the rest of their life to protect their flame their being their sacredness and never ever ever let a man try and take it away and so here and we go to the vestal virgins and this tradition of course in italy specifically where you know for all this time women especially uh, you know young kind of around bleeding age and then into their 20s go to protect this flame of course, it gets put out, unfortunately, around the same time that the Library of Alexandria is destroyed, etc. But that journey of radicalness, of independence, people look at the word virgin and they think it means purity, but it's a fierce independence. It's when one realizes that they don't need anybody else to be what it is they can give themselves. So that Virgo Pisces axis is not about practicality and, and whimsical magic. It's about literally the feeling and the blood and the bone and a mind of a body dancing along that same axis, truly being self-sourcing, self-sufficient. It's a powerful place to be. But the Virgo often, as especially as women, takes a lifetime for us to finally realize that what we're looking for isn't outside of us, it's within us. So by the time we get to that Aquarius placement and that energy, which is 70 to 77 years old, only then, unfortunately, does it click, oh, fuck, I've been what I've been looking for this whole time. I wasn't looking for another half. I was never looking for permission, you know? And so my big fixation is this, again, like looking at the lyrical nature of Virgo and the way that they're able to take giant concepts and things that are abstract as fucked and distill them down to pure power and meaning and of course that that gemini flavor that plays into it but you know basically making words of magic right taking what the pisces only feels and can't explain and being the mouthpiece for that level of depth for that level of emotion for that level of like ethereal quality and then you move into that aquarius energy that almost eggs virgo on like Come on, you know, like go and do it. Be in service to the people by being in service to yourself first, you know, mm -hmm. like be there to do that. So I just love that kind of energy because it eggs each other on. Mm -hmm. The curse of it is the inner, the war, the overthinking. So when you have that Virgo and Aquarius energy together, the way that they egg each other on when they're out of balance to think too much, to wrestle themselves, to be hyper analytical, hypercritical, thinking of something they did when they were six years old and still torturing themselves over it when they're 36. And one has to be really, really careful because of how quickly that spiral can happen. 
But damn, when those placements are working together, especially when you look at ninth house, because my moon as well as all that Taurus energy in the ninth house, the one who's coming to bring the new Bible, the message, mm -hmm. the the literal, um, the pilgrimage in every sense of the world, like going somewhere else and coming back with what we're going to do now in the future. It's such a beautiful place to be in the Zodiac, the nudity, the embracing of oneself, the, you know, being in service through fertility, right? Or like, you know, kind of I'm going to be in service to humanity by having babies to eventually getting to a place where the fertility is gone. But we've went through a whole life of, of acquiring knowledge and information. And then we feed and quench the thirst of the people below us. I just am obviously can tell I can go off into 20 tangents about this, but I love it. And then when you look at Aquarius energy, which etymology speaking, is some of the most misunderstood representation. There's all of these weird explanations of where the story comes from, so on and so forth, but it really is just about the precursor to death. So it's everything the mind has absorbed throughout life. Everything someone's felt, everywhere they have gone, it's the ego dissolution happens in the balanced Aquarius energy. In the imbalanced Aquarius energy, it's the opposite. It's God complex. It's a superiority. It's a, it's a, you know, a disastrous, destructive narcissism. But at the core of us, we do have God complex because we get to a point where we realize that nothing means nothing and everything means everything. And then nothing means everything in the same breath. And then when we let go of not knowing anything at all and being totally cool with that, and we really embody that objectivity, that neutrality, that detachment that we're here to bring, which serves humanity, we're able to usher the newly detached people into the abyss and the depth and the freedom and the transcendence and rebirth energy of Pisces energy. So it's everything that has helped me ground myself, ground my vision, ground my direction, ground what it is I'm doing has freed me up. But ironically, my Virgo placements was the thing that pissed me off until I finally embraced it in my sort of rising year. And this year is my Virgo year of my whole life. It's this year. So it's about that, uh, the woman being everything it is that she needs to herself, right? Really owning the sexuality, um, obliterating martyrdom, obl obliterating that Madonna whore complex, um, you know, not letting anything penetrate her because she knows that she's whole without it. There's a lot happening for me in that energy, but I'm 36. So right on time through all this Virgo energy, as we're speaking during Virgo season, mm. it's really, really fascinating for me to be at this place now where I honor the fuck out of my neuroticness <laughs> and my um, desire to control and all these aspects of it, like, you know, doing the dishes, being my therapy, uh, where the part of me that loves caring for other people, that's addicted to caring for other people is not my curse anymore. It's actually that thing that brings me you know, closer to that feeling of mother and closer to who the Aquarian is meant to be. So mm -hmm. how sort of the masculine is able to hold the feminine? For me, the Virgo is the masculine that's strong enough to hold the zany, maniacal, you know, um, off into the ether Aquarius. So mm -hmm. the relationship has been critical. Oh, I love all of that. There's, there's a few things I want to say. <clears throat> oh, there's a few things I want to say. Firstly, you pretty much, when you were talking about Aquarius and you started saying you're the one that, you know, Aquarius is the one they've always been looking for. There's nobody else. And all I'm thinking is 
Elsa in Frozen number two. Oh. oh. Which asked me how much I cried. I was calling Danielle, <laughs> texting her, saying they fucking they're listening to our conversations. Disney <laughs> is writing a movie about our life. Sorry. But do you know what the funny thing is? So one of my favorite blog posts that I've ever written was the zodiac signs as Disney princesses. And I placed <laughs> Elsa as Aquarius. And a lot of I actually got a lot of hate for that on YouTube. Yeah. A lot of people were like, Elsa is not Aquarius. Elsa is this. Elsa. Like they really hated it. And I was like, no, <laughs> read or listen to what I said about it. She totally is. But I love, I love that. That's almost like linked together. I was like, I, I agree with you. <laughs> if there's any other energy, Elsa would be as Virgo. And that's it, first of all. But, but she's not because the voices in the head, the going to the unknown, the visionary energy, the, the martyr heretic thing, right? The mm -hmm. enemy and then the, the hero all in the same breath. Like, mm -hmm. come on, Elsa would be a three, five manifesting generator Aquarius. Thank you very much. I agree. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I just sobbed the entire time. And it's also, you know, Aquarians are other ice queens, allegedly, yes. but it's not. There's this element of neutrality and objectivity and detachment that is absolutely so necessary to move humankind further. Mm -hmm. But Elsa in her immaturity cho mm -hmm. chooses to close off, which is what a lot of Aquarians will do to protect themselves. Yeah. They'll, so you they'll ghost it. everyone. They'll ghost their problems. They'll detach. Yes. They're yes. aloof. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, it, it gets a bad rep, but it's so necessary because if humans did that, there'd be less suffering. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely no need to attach ourselves to outcomes, attach mm -hmm. ourselves to processes. And that's what pisses people off, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. Do we hurt people in the process? Yes. But okay. Who are we hurting? Are we hurting the version of you that just isn't applicable? And you know, the version of you that you've outgrown, like I'm, again, I'm sure the same as you, it's, it takes a lifetime to actually own that those qualities especially because in my household my dad's an Aquarius both my brothers are Aquarius <clears throat> my mom's a Leo both my kids are Leo literally all my pets are Leos it's the Aquarius Leo axis over and over and over and over and over mm. Aquarius men are fucking mental excuse my French I will not take that back because <clears throat> the imbalanced <laughs> masculine there mm. means they're either the genius or they're literally the narcissist depressed their own worst enemy uh, you know, incredible serial killers with those placements, like really, really, really astute wild shit. I knew that as a woman, I could easily embody all this stuff, but watching my family embody Aquarian characteristics that I didn't want to embody, I was like, mm -hmm. no bueno, I'm just mm -hmm. going to go and explore the rest of my chart because there must be something else there for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. When I first found out that I had a Scorpio moon, I was like, uh-uh, nope, do not. That's <laughs> not, I don't have any Scorpio. Don't want that. <laughs> People I was, told me that my whole life as well. Yeah. Oh, I, I was so, so you know, when people have these stereotypes, especially about the signs or you meet someone that like, I had a friend who was a Scorpio who totally betrayed me backstab, like uh -huh. all of the, the negative aspects that you associate. So to find out that the thing that I didn't like was in me, yes. <gasps> in one of my big, and when people things. realize their whole chart has every single sign in it. <laughs> exactly. And, I, and it's like, mm, sorry, the, like this is, the mind-blowing like shadow work that has to come with that <laughs> so this is it. why I'm uh, my son's a Scorpio moon mm -hmm. uh and Ruby has eight placements in cancer in the eighth house uh-huh so you can understand that the the things that are happening there it's why I'm writing the kids Very book um, using astrology to parent because when you have the context of the whole chart as an anchor 
you're able, which by the way, is going to be in Italian and English. It's called Stella. It's this, this, um, you, you can recognize that your children's moods, tempers, feelings, et cetera, could absolutely be mitigated by understanding what their placement is telling you about them. That's why so, I love the, a, a kid's astrology report that's written oh. for parents, because a lot of the time I'm like, firstly, you know, things like knowing their Mars sign. Hey, dear listener. I am interrupting just briefly and don't worry, not an ad or anything like that. Um, I just misspoke in this next section and I'm listening to it whilst editing. Part of me was like, do I just cut it out? Because anyone who does astrology is going to be like, that's not right. But no, I'm just going to tell you guys. So my daughter, I'm about to talk about my daughter and her Mars sign. Mars is the planet of motivation. Now my daughter has her Mars in Taurus, but she's a Pisces sun. And I was talking quickly. I was excited. Happens all the time. I'm sure everyone can understand. And I said, she has a Pisces Mars. Incorrect. Uh, this is what I'm talking about for a Pisces. Uh, I'm doing it again, a Taurus Mars, where if you tell them to hurry up, or if you give them a deadline, all motivation goes out the window. And the reason for this is because they want all that they need all that time to do things properly and to do things practically and to do it to the best of their like craftsmanship is huge for them and perfectionism is a big thing for someone with a Taurus Mars and so the time limit thing is really just it, it they'll feel like they have to cut corners if they're rushed and they don't like that because it brings something out that's not quality okay so remember that as I keep going and enjoy the rest of this episode I'm enjoying it as I'm editing it. It was so much fun to record this with Angel. So I invite you to continue listening and I'll check in with you guys at the end. Bye. Like I oh know my with God. my daughter, she has a, a, a Pisces Mars. If I tell her to hurry up, that is the quickest way to demotivate her. Like, mm-hmm. Do not give her a time limit or a deadline. Mine is, just don't, oh. out. <laughs> Mine is Leo. It's in Leo. Mars is in Leo and is Scorpio moon. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about the Scorpio moon is that when they are emotionally triggered, they go to everyone's out to get me. Everyone's betraying me. Everyone hates me. Nobody loves me. I've never been in this experience where mm-hmm. it's such a quick spiral. And, and so I can be like, intense. I'm not like oh! speaking as in the Scorpio moon, when those emotions hit, they are intense and they what? are deep but the other thing they might show them more as a kid but the secretiveness that then pops up that I don't want to burden anyone with this I want to hold it all in so they put up this wall and that is hard to crack to get so it's terrifying watching him go through that because he's you know Leo Leo sun Capricorn rising Scorpio moon Mm. so it is a ballistic trifecta let me tell you and he has been one of my greatest teachers in understanding men Mm -hmm. and astrology and the emotionality of it because I'm able to recognize things in his chart that he can't communicate to me and he is also my most intuitive child like he speaks to dead people and he loves going to cemeteries with me and he reads tarot and he's super super tuned to it and it's interesting nurturing that with him but in the same breath it's horrifying because he is a total fruit loop freak like me and I'm like okay what did I get myself into (laughs) Oh, and whereas Ruby is that deep feeler and everything about her is in that feeling and I've got to honor I don't know what your if you've noticed this but the moon is the mother line so in most instances mm-hmm. you'll see that same placement or that same house show over and over and over and so for us it's Taurus 
So it's mm-hmm. like Ruby's Taurus moon. I'm a Taurus moon. My mom's a Taurus moon. And to the point where my mom's a Virgo rising, I'm a Virgo rising. And then there's all these elements of it. And so was my grandmother. And so was my great grandmother. And it bends my mind. Can I tell you this? I love family astrology. And because I get a lot oh. of people that might book like. It's the hey, art of relating. I know. They'll book like, you know, me, my sister, my mom. We'll get all our charts done for Christmas. I'm like, sweet. And I do them. and I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Because you start to see the patterns, right? But when I've done my own family's charts. I, I'm obviously a Virgo son, but my husband, both of my children, my dad, my brother, all have Virgo moons. Mm-hmm. Like that. See, I love that. The reflection thing blows my mind. It really does. And so Wild. for me, astrology is the epicenter of mythology and meteorology and metaphysics and you know the the literally how the world was created and shaped mm-hmm. through story and reflection and our observations of each other and if you look at the true medicine that's available to you in astrology it's how i see myself how you see yourself and how we see each other and then what revealing and what healing becomes available in that reflection process and holy fuck that's freed me from holding people to things that they're not doing you know, consciously and mm-hmm. not holding myself to things that I'm not even doing consciously and showing myself more grace when I'm moving through a process and even things like kind of understanding chapters of your life, you know, that things are never, ever permanent, that this yeah. is a lesson and this is a gift. And what are you supposed to be learning here? And mm-hmm. the people that you continuously attract with this placements, the same, angles, the same energy until you learn the lesson is freaking mind bending and it's why I love astrology so much I love it so so you've got um did you say it was a kid's book on astrology that you're going to be putting out yeah yeah so I have a lot of magical things coming out but essentially I wrote this really cute little book about um and it makes me cry even just every time I talk about it but it's this little girl who's born and it's very much like your what you did like writing the fictional story but really has to do with you yeah and it's about this little girl named Stella which means star in Italian and she moves through life with no friends and she makes friends with each um, zodiac energy sign throughout her life. So from, you know, zero to seven, she she encounters Aries and this feeling of like this power and this blood and this fight. And so anyways, this whole story moves through her whole life. And at the end, she and there's like, I will ruin it, but there's an opening scene and an end scene. And she essentially passes and she is dancing in the sky with this constellation of friends that she had been looking for her whole life and it's like the the whole story is about you know like finally Stella finds everything she's been looking for like all over again and it's just just really really beautiful story of trying to help people understand that the the ways that they see themselves or the things that they want to find out about themselves or the clarity that they're looking is absolutely available in that kind of introspection and self-reflection and all everything I've been through everything I've learned about myself has been me doing the most primitive things which is being with myself looking up at the sky being with myself looking at the ground being with myself looking at the water and counting the the you know the star dust and the debris and the makeup of what makes me right now and what makes you five million years ago and there's so much power in that and I think for children who are trying to find themselves amidst this sea of do's and don'ts and be and not be and binary and like you have to look like this and you have to sound like this and your life's basically planned out for you in an increasingly antisocial world in there's so many different parts of that I was like I just want to just 
speak to what this looked like for me, which is that astrology literally helped me stay sane since mm-hmm. I'm a child. And it is one of the most real kinds of magic, specifically astro mythology and the poetic nature of it and what it taught me about philosophy and what it taught me about the history of like social capital and social currency and how humans are meant to interact with each other and gift each other reflection. Obviously you can tell I'm very passionate about it. It sounds wonderful. Is it, is it like a, a kid's like middle grade fiction or is it like a picture book? How? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So it's starting with a picture book. So just a really basic picture book and it's something to kind of for parents to read with their kids. I love to write something for like pre-teens, teens-ish. I don't know yet. I feel like that's happening somewhere. I've also written a kind of toddler, I don't want to say, no, a lullaby book, okay? That's called um, Why Is Mommy Always On Her Phone? And it's (laughs) a book about, it's actually really emotional. It's about this woman who's on her mobile phone who has this baby and it kind of like follows you through all the moments she's on her phone mm-hmm. and you know her being postpartum depressed and her you know going through a divorce and her losing herself and how that phone is her connection to being herself and it's about helping parents move through the shame they carry around their relationship with their device and how they end up projecting that onto their children mm-hmm. and it's actually to help create a better relationship there and to end you know shame that a lot of mothers are carrying around YouTube being the mom for the day or whatever it might be but I feel like kids books like really like infant lullaby toddler books are the first thing and then I'm gonna branch out from there I love your brain thank you I feel like parents are more willing to hear a message when it comes in a baby book it's like why learning language is so much easier when you're doing it with kids and so my whole strategy right now is to come at it from that angle I love it. I, I could, I'm like, I could write till I'm, I'm blue in the face. I just love it so much. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I have kids books that I've written and I mean, I'm, I'm attempting, I've, I'm attempting to go down the traditional publishing route. I know you've done self-publishing. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And it's that's- all a nightmare. This is the thing. Like it's either you do the self-publishing and it's because you're not censored and you could do what it is you want to do. And the cost but then there's all, all this that goes along and there's with. all this other stuff you need to work on right mm-hmm. and see I, I do feel that there's a rite of passage where you just have to go the route and do the thing but if you have a solid enough brand and you have the right friends and the right connections I don't think it's impossible to go the publishing route yeah. I've had I good go feedback publisher. Good. I've had good feedback um I think the timing was really not quite right so I've I've pulled back and I'm like they're not going anywhere it doesn't have to be done today that's fine. Mm-hmm. This is like a long-term thing. And so I'm focusing on my novel and you've written, you've written other books. Like, um, did you write a book of poetry? I have so many books in my drive. Like I've written three books of poetry. I love erotica. I absolutely love erotica. I love writing erotica poetry and I love writing kids books. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm like a sicko genuinely. My Virgo and Gemini, <laughs> everything is, I love words. I'm obsessed with words. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with how books make me feel. I'm obsessed with how poetry makes me feel. I'm obsessed with speaking. I, 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 I'm completely captivated by what it, what kind of feeling it is that you can create and convey using words. Oh yeah. I think it's absolutely mind bending that you can take a pen whatever and put it to paper and create a whole world right birth things out of the sky 
it's magic. It blows my mind. It's, it's magic. magic. Absolute magic. Oh. I love it. Absolutely. And I mean, it, it is magical. Magic. I think writing a book of any kind is like spell work. Birthing a child. Okay. Birthing a child as well. Yes. I don't know what's harder. I feel like the book is way easier. <laughs> My no, opinion. but they're both hard because it's nerve-wracking. Like you said, right? You there's a part of you mm-hmm. that is worried about who's going to read it and what it is they're going yeah. to say. And I've written books and disassociated because I'm so terrified mm-hmm. of what somebody's gonna say when they when they read it. When I know that at the end of the day, if it were up to me, I would write horror novels, make horror movies, or make a bunch of high bougie quality porn. Uh, or right, like the things that really light me up when I'm writing, mm-hmm. I'm terrified of publishing but they still have a place somewhere. Mm. And I think that's a really normal fear to have when women like us have most likely been shot, killed, hung, you know, denied of all part of that things. witch wound. Part so of the witch much. wound for that part of so much. fear of being seen for being other, for doing anything that's out of the ordinary, because it's like, it's in our DNA that mm. that's going to get us hurt, right? That's going to, mm-hmm. that's dangerous. You can't do that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and also you know you look at people who have tried who have had to change their names to be more masculine in order to actually be taken seriously and this mm-hmm. is still happening uh and also you know people who are in marginalized groups who have to create aliases to be able to have the conversations that they have and or you know come under attack for it there's a lot of nuance and complexity like birthing a book is not easy yeah. you have to have balls to keep going but the satisfaction of just writing things and sharing them with people, even if only 10, 20, 30, or even just with your children. Why I love social media. It's the act of micro publishing a book. Every time you post, there's something remarkably special and medicinal about having a thought, channeling it, like putting it to paper, putting it to a post, whatever, sharing it with the world. And then someone in the middle of somewhere in another country who speaks a different language completely to you manages to fall into your spell be impacted by what it is you've said whether it's entertaining or educational or life-changing that blows my mind Mm. it's like you're sending words into the ether and that person follows the words back to you come on if that's not magic what the hell is it's incredible incredible I love that and the messages that you sometimes get from people saying that thing you posted a year or two ago and it changed my life and you're like what what do you mean? I know, wait, wait till people start telling you 10 years later. And you're like, what the hell? First of all, why did it take you 10 years to tell me? Secondly, <laughs> wow. Because you think about the version of you in 2002, who was like, kiss me, tease me, right? Yeah. You didn't know that you'd be talking about that on a podcast 20 years I later. I didn't even know what a podcast right? was. It wasn't even a thing. So now you're looking at something like this, which is even your worst work right now is mm-hmm. impacting somebody to live their best life. But that's only going to be affirmed in five years, 10 years, 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. So having the trust is kind of like putting that, working the soil and putting yep. that seed in and trusting that you come back four seasons, eight seasons mm-hmm. later, and it is built and grown into something is the equivalent to me of planting the seed with a word, right? Mm-hmm. Social media as this cauldron where essentially you have to place the words and trust that eventually they're going to sprout into something and it's going to eventually become the fruit for somebody who can reach that branch somewhere else. And I think people tend to lose sight of how magical that exchange actually is. Yeah, absolutely. Now the work that you do around social media, it's firstly phenomenal and anyone who is on social media should be listening to you. Thank you. You 
you you say you're making social media social again, which is great. And I, I think it's great because you have this bright, positive view of these platforms, which a lot of people have such a, a love-hate relationship with. So can you share a little bit about the work that you're doing there before we before we wrap up? Thank you. So for me, ultimately, it's about creation over consumption. It's about feeding that life force, right? Making Making this exchange feel communal, which is what humans don't do anymore. Right, making it feel like a, a coalesce, making it feel like energizing instead of feeling eaten alive. And the reason that people feel eaten alive and horrible love-hate axis is ultimately the shame and the guilt and the grief behind how they know they're using it. The doom scrolling, the comparisonitis, the toxic behavior, the addictive component of it. And I believe that the social media shadow work, much like what astrology provides and all these other modalities, is trying to help people through looking at their antisocial behavior, recognize that they have the power to make social media feel light and beautiful and good again, if they're willing to look at how they're contributing to the problem, if they're willing to take a look at why it feels bad right? And what they can be doing and using children as a means to motivate them. So understanding that if our kids are bullying, who's setting the, the you know, the, the kind of precedent, if our children are, are using any kind of digital tech, the way that it is they're using, where do they get that information? Where do they get that culture? Where do they get that opinion? And understanding that as the future of tech, gets more and more complex. And, you know, we move at rocket speeds. If we don't work out our bullshit now, it is going to feel burdensome is an understatement so i'm just really passionate about helping people move through the complexities of what it's like to be at the crossroads you know we babe, we we came from msn days and that <laughs> yeah. was a big thing mm-hmm. right aol h sex location live journal myspace fucking napster limewire mm-hmm. to now being in LimeWire. an area where it is wild what has happened and changed what continues to. Mm. And now, our, you know, one in three kids wants to be a YouTuber, not an astronaut. Yeah, and my, my daughter wants, yeah. she said she wants to be on YouTube. And she does see yeah. me doing that. So most kids want to do what their mom does. But no, she's but really, already filming unboxing videos at the age of five. Think about <laughs> it. So if an astronaut is is moving into the depths of space and a child isn't impressed by that, and they're instead recognizing the abyss and the space and the horizon in what digital tech makes available to us. Mm-hmm. And maybe as adults, we should be excited about riding this rocket ship and leading the way from a place of conviction and enthusiasm, because I don't want to be that person who, you know, 20 years from now is like, why didn't I do everything I could to make this safe, mm-hmm. to make it accessible, to make it feel good? It's not going away. And people are increasingly disconnected. They're craving affection. They're craving connectedness. How do I show them to use the tools in the landscape available to embody those exact same things? Because mm-hmm. we're not in circle anymore, right? Yeah. We have huge houses when we have fences and look at COVID, what happened? But people being completely isolated throughout that process. So that is kind of like, okay, guys, we're all on it. We're on it an absurd amount of time per day. I know you are, the data doesn't lie. And that's where they get stuck in that shame, mm-hmm. right? Of like, oh, I don't want anyone to know actually how much time I spend there. Because if I actually seek out the help, I have to admit that I'm doing X, Y, Z. So my work in, you know, my work with social media is ultimately about connecting people. It's all about that. Again, that Aquarius energy. It's all about how do I show people how to connect through creation? That's mm-hmm. what made me a great doula. It's what makes me a great social media person. How do I get people to 
create something together to move them away from the distraction of divisiveness. Like, how do I teach people to see, speak the same language, which is connection? And I'm just really passionate about moving people from thinking that social media is the antichrist and instead showing them how it's the antidote mm -hmm. and that there's a digital apothecary available for everybody to pick and choose the medicine that they need. But we're so focused on what's poisoning us to actually give room and light to what could heal us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today, Angel. It has been a lovely chat. A we could chat all day. Let's do it I know. again. Let's do it again. And you're yes, going to come please. on my podcast, please. I would absolutely love to continue this conversation. Mm -hmm. If anybody wants to find me, uh, Instagram.com forward slash the underscore angel underscore Phoenix. Uh, there are lots of different websites being launched and there are lots of different things happening. So I'll leave you with that and you can do the dirty word and dig as you wish. Uh, if not, it's been so, so lovely to chat all of the metaphysics and magic and weird shit with you. Thank you for letting me in on the forgery. <laughs> I am stoked about that. Please it's, tell your kids. It is not a story that I, sh I don't think I've actually ever shared it online. So you're welcome. But um, wow. it's kind of one of those stories that pops out when I'm like, if I meet a group of friends or something, it takes a while to get there and it pops out and they're all just like, what? Because now, like me now, very different to me back then. Like whilst I'm like witchy and all that, I've also like my knitting is sitting next to me. You know, like I just had a cup of this lemon tea, right? Like kaleidoscope. This is like, the fullness. <laughs> it's where you realize your capability, your yeah. hustle, you know, what it is you could create when you put your mind to it. Mm -hmm. And it serves a purpose. If we remove morality and righteousness and all yeah. this other stuff, who did you hurt? Nobody. They no were going to get that idea anywhere. Come on. Right, exactly. but what you get out about yourself? Like I hey, might have hurt my lungs by getting all those cigarettes, but I probably would have got them anyway. <laughs> I I I would have slapped you about the cigarettes, but nothing else. I inject shit into my face to reverse age. Mm -hmm. So you as a child changing things to look older, like <laughs> who might have called the kettle black? All right, that's all I'm gonna say. And I had a blast, right? I had an absolute blast with the stuff that I used to do. It's I had fun. I had fun. I, I did a lot of dangerous mind. stuff, but. But your people now, they're so shocked. They're like, what? What do you mean you I love that? that so much. And they also, I, I think I do love the shock factor. They, like I'm vegan now, right? And so people see that. And then when I talk about things like when I was traveling and I, you know, in Cambodia, I ate, I ate tarantulas. And when we were in Peru, it was guinea pigs. And and they're all like, what? This like, yeah. you know, <laughs> vegan animal activist. And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> But this is the journey. This is what makes it so special. It's the contrast. Mm -hmm. The you contrast. Know? It's like the forgery and now the lemon tea. Yeah. Right? It's the tarantulas <laughs> and the veganism. And that is, that, that is living in true testament to end this, the Virgo and the Aquarius and the yes. journey that one takes to become the fullness <laughs> of their expression, collecting the horcruxes, mm -hmm. removing shame, removing guilt, removing grief, being yeah. totally objective and being able to honor one's journey as a cinematic fucking experience that we turn into a novella. Absolutely. Which I will buy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Anna. We will, uh, we'll wrap it up. Though, so we'll keep talking forever. If anyone wants um, to get in touch with Angel, I'll put the, the link in the description box below. As Thank you know, if you, you want to get in touch with myself, book in for a reading, kids astrology report, whatever you want to do, it's suburbanwitchery.com. That link will be in there as well. If you can leave a rating and review on Apple, that would be 
fantastic. Get the word out there. And as always, have a lovely day wherever you are in the world today. Blessed be, little Blessed witches, be. witches <laughs> Hello, everyone. How wonderful was Angel? Her energy just lights up the room and I had such a blast chatting with her. But I do need to let you guys know, since we recorded this and we actually recorded it ages ago, like six months ago, since we recorded it, there have been some changes for Angel. So she is actually no longer on Instagram. She's come off Instagram for a little bit. Uh, I've put her updated website in the link below. So you can definitely find that there. And I know she's in the process of relaunching and launching new stuff and doing all that jazz. So she will be, I don't know if she's coming back to Instagram, but she's definitely coming back to doing stuff, but having a break at the moment. I have also linked her podcast, which is Bad Influencer. It's really cool. It's a really great podcast. So definitely jump on over and have a listen to that as well. Please, please, please leave a review if you can over on Apple iTunes and then also a rating over on Spotify helps a bunch. And if you didn't know, I've also released a second podcast. It's called Meditations, a suburban witchery podcast. I'm not going to be updating that one as regularly as this one. Like it's, there's no set schedule. It's just kind of as I have time, as I've done them, as I'm called to do them, but you can find a couple of little meditations over there if you wish to give them a go. Thank you all for tuning in with us today and we'll catch you next time.